If you recall from the previous year that I had asked three questions concerning the uh, birth of the Shvatim that takes place in Parshas Vayetze. The first question was, why is it that only after the fourth child was born, Yehuda, after Yehuda was born to Leah, does then and only then Leah give thanks and praise to the Rabbani Shlam? Why didn't she do this previously? Because it says, Hapam oide is Hashem. Now I will praise God. So the question then is, why didn't she do it previously? Why only now after Yehuda was born? The second thing, the second question, is that why now did she stop giving birth? It says, Vata made me ledes, and she stopped bearing. This is what it says in the Torah. So the question is, why now did she stop giving birth? It's almost as if Leah had reached the essential son or Shevet, and therefore she could stop having children. It's almost as if she had reached an essential objective, and therefore now it was possible to stop. What is the meaning of this? And the third question which I had asked previously was, why is it only now, after the birth of Yehuda, does the Torah say, that Rocha was jealous because of her sister? Now the Torah says this, which sounds like before Rocha was not jealous. Why wasn't she jealous by the first three children? If she saw Rocha giving birth to one shavit after another, so she should have been jealous after a second child, after a third child. After four children, that's when you first become jealous? What does it all mean? Now, therefore, let us analyze, of course, what's really happening according to the inner or internal theme which we have been discussing for so many shurim previously. And you will see again that according to this meaning, the inner ideas, the concealed narrative or theme that the Torah is really uh, saying, that all this really gets answered. But of course, it's not obvious unless you know the inner theme. It is important to know that the entire desire of the Mos, the entire desire of the mothers of Klai Yisrael, Sarah, Rivka, Rochel, Leah, was to bear children that would do the will of the Rabbani Shlom, which is what? Which is to bring a tikkun to the Bria. That is what the entire desire of these Mos were. Now, the two major Nishamas that accomplished this task of bringing a tikkun to creation, and thereby, of course, once creation has reached its state of tikkun, its state of correction or rectification, then of course the Yemoisa Mashiach, the Messianic days, are ushered in. We know that the two major Nishamas that accomplished this task is the Mashiach ben Yosef and the Mashiach ben David. Therefore, if that is the case, then both Rochel and Leah arduously sought to be the mother of these two children that would possess the neshamas of the Mashiach ben Yosef and the Mashiach ben David. That is obvious and clear. Since it, why? Because since it is primarily through them that creation achieves its tikkun, the Mashiach ben Yosef and the Mashiach ben David. Therefore, both would want to have children that of course had the souls, the neshamas of the Mashiach ben Yosef and the Mashiach ben David. When Leah gave birth to Yehuda, she immediately perceived, that is, Leah immediately perceived through Nevoah, because Leah was also a prophetess, she immediately perceived who Yehuda was. Who was Yehuda? Yehuda was the Neshama of the Mashiach bin David. She therefore gave praise to the Rabbanishim for allowing her to bear a child 
who possessed the neshama of Mashiach bin David, who was, of course is among the greatest of all neshamas that exist, and of course who would be responsible for ultimately ushering in the Yemois HaMashiach. That is why she gave praise especially at this birth and not at previous births. She gave thanks to the Rabbani Shlom now and at this time for being Zucha, for having merited to be the mother of the child who possessed the neshama of the Mashiach ben David. That is why she praised now. Because she praised the Rabbani Shlom not only because she had a shevet, but she had one of the essential shvatim. That individual, that shevet, of course, or that individual who possesses the neshama of the Mashiach ben David, and of course, who would usher in the Yemaisa Mashiach. That is why she gave praise now. That is the Pshat Nista. Now, when she reached this point, she stopped bearing because she had given birth to one of the, essential, one of the two essential Shvatim. Therefore, she had reached a major objective. That's why it says, Vatamoy Miledest, and she stopped bearing. In other words, she had achieved a major objective, which is to bring down the neshama of the Mashiach bin David. Therefore, since this objective had been reached, since this milestone had been reached, Vatamoid Miledes, and she stopped bearing, because this was one of the major objectives of the Imos, to bring down the neshama of the Mashiach bin David. And since she had reached that objective, that goal, therefore she stopped bearing at that time. That is why it says Vatamoid Miledes after the birth of Yehuda. Because if we understand who Yehuda was, we understand why she says, Now I will praise God. And we understand now also why it says Vatamoid Miledes. All from our understanding of who Yehuda really was. Now, at this point in time, it is important to mention a very fundamental idea. And actually, we had talked about it a long time ago. The concept of the Neshamas of the Mashiachan, the souls of the Mashiach bin Yosef and the souls of the Mashiach bin David. Now, it is important to mention that Yehuda was not merely the Neshama of the Mashiach bin David. That's not really only who he was. Because Avram Avinu, if you recall, was also a Neshama of the Mashiach bin David. So then what is new about Yehuda? That all of a sudden, uh, Leah should say, now I will praise God. What's new? Avram was the Mashiach, also an Hashem of the Mashiach, Ben David. So then what's new with Yehuda? Wherein was Yehuda different? What then was the difference between Avram and Yehuda that was especially so great that Leah would say, now I will praise the Rabbani Shlom, and she also would stop bearing. What was the greatness of Yehuda? In the end, in other words, what was the great objective of Yaakov and Leah in having a son who was a neshama of the Mashiach bin David? If this neshama had already come down before? Not only that, we know that Yitzchak was a, the neshama of Mashiach bin Yosef. And we know uh, uh, that Yaakov was also a neshama of the Mashiach bin David in that sense. So therefore, in what way was Yehuda different from Avram? What was the new idea that came into existence because of Yehuda? If you recall what was mentioned many shum ago, that the neshama of the Mashiach bin David is really divided into two neshamas, two different entities. There is what's called a foundation neshama. That foundation neshama is the asuid, the foundation of the Mashiach bin David. And derivative neshamas, 
or branch nishamas of the Mashiach bin David come out of that. In other words, the, thus the foundation neshama of the Mashiach bin David is like the trunk of a tree. Just as a tree can generate, the trunk of a tree can generate many branches, so also the foundation neshama, the esoid of the Mashiach bin David, generates many smaller neshamas or branch neshamas, or as they are called, shroshim, shirish of Mashiach bin David. Thus, there is one foundation neshama, or there's one found one yesuid of the Mashiach bin David, and there are many branch neshamas, many shroshim of the Mashiach bin David, which all come from the foundation neshama. Now, in every generation, we know from previous shurim that there is only always one man, one individual who has the shirish or the branch neshama of the Mashiach bin David. So if the generation is found worthy, then this man who is the Sherish of the Mashiach bin David can become the actual Mashiach bin David himself. And we know how that happens. Because he receives the Yechidah, that Neshama of Odom Rishon, which flew away before he did the Chet, and therefore is untainted by the sin of Odom Rishon. The Sherish of the Mashiach bin David receives the Yechidah of Odom Rishon, and that's what makes him the actual Mashiach. So therefore you need the Yechidah, that's the crown. But the only one the Yechidah can go down on is somebody who is a Shirish of the Mashiach ben David. Now, Avraham Avinu, although he was an Av, which means that his Neshama was the root of all the Neshamas in Kla Yisrael, was really only a branch Neshama or a Shirish of the Mashiach ben David. He was not the Yesuid. He was merely the branch neshama, the shurish of the Mashiach ben David. The foundation neshama or the esoid of the Mashiach ben David had not come down to earth as yet. To bring down this foundation neshama, this yesoid of the Mashiach ben David, would require the efforts of all the others, all the patriarchs, in their service of the Rabbani Islam. It would require the intensive efforts of every of when they were serving the Rabbani to bring down the Yisuit of the Mashiach ben David. When through their tremendous Avodah, they and all their descendants would be chosen by the Rabbani to be the nation that would be Masakin creation, in other words, at that time, then and only then, could the foundation or the Yisuit Neshama of the Mashiach ben David descend to this world into one of the individuals of Klai Yisrael and thereby would begin the process of tikkun that must take place by the Jewish nation as a whole. In other words, when the Shema or the foundation of Shema, the Yisrael of Mashiach ben David comes down, then begins the real tikkun of the entire Klai Yisrael, not only the tikkun that was done by the Ovas, as they being shroshim to the entire Klai Yisrael. Thus, actually, if you think about it, the descent of the foundation of Shema or the Yesuit of the Mashiach ben David is actually proof that the three of us, the three patriarchs, Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov, were successful in finalizing the agreement with the Rabbani Shlom, in which Klai Yisrael would misak in the Bria and be zuchet to Olam This foundation of Shema or the Yesuit of the Mashiach ben David is who Yehuda really was. 
Yehudu was not merely a Shevet. He was not merely a Shirush of the Mashiach Pandavid. He was the Yisoyed or the foundation of Shama of the entire union of the Mashiach Pandavid. Which we know is the source for all branch neshamas or shroshim of the Mashiach ben David. That is who Yehuda was. And therefore that is why Leah was so grateful at this point. Because she bore the son who was the Yisuid of the Mashiach ben David. And of course this indicated that Klai Yisrael was ready as a nation to begin the Tikkun of the Bria. Therefore... That is why Leah was so grateful to the Barnisham because she bore a son who was actually the seed of the Mashiach ben David. And that is also why she stopped bearing at this point. She had in actuality achieved one of the greatest objectives any woman can achieve. She gave birth to one of the greatest neshama, neshamas in all creation. Namely, the seed neshama, the foundation neshama of the Mashiach ben David who was Yehuda. We now understand why now and only now did Rocho become jealous of Leah. Until now Leah was bearing different Shvatim. So even though Rocho was still childless, but it would not evoke in her such a tremendous jealousy. But now that Leah gave birth to the Yesuid of the Mashiach, namely the Yesuid, the foundation of Shema of the Mashiach ben David, Rochel now became, of course, very jealous. In other words, as long as Leah was bearing Shvatim, Reuven, Shimon, and Levi, then Rochel could still have a chance to bring down the essential neshama, the foundation neshama of the Mashiach. But when she saw Yehuda born to Leah, she realized who Yehuda was, because she was also in Nevi'ah, a prophetess, and she, and she realized that she did not have much time left because there's only other, one other Mashiach that she could bring down. She became jealous of her sister and therefore she approached Yaakov in desperation. She said to him that he should give her children, especially the other essential Shevet, the foundation of Shammah of the Yisoyed of the Mashiach Ben Yosef, or else she will die. What is life worth if she can't bring this down to this world? the foundation neshama of the other essential neshama of Klai Yisrael, namely the Yisoyed of the Mashiach ben Yosef. Now, whatever I have said now concerning the Mashiach ben David is true also of the Mashiach ben Yosef. There is a foundation neshama, there's only one foundation neshama or Yisoyed of the Mashiach ben Yosef, which all branch neshamas or all shroshim emanate from this foundation neshama of the Mashiach ben Yosef. Not only that, in every generation, the Rabbani Shalom gives to an individual in that generation, somebody who is a, or rather he gives that to that individual, the Shirish of the Mashiach ben Yosef. So that if that generation is found worthy, this person will actually become the Mashiach ben Yosef. Not only is there a Shirish of the Mashiach ben David in every generation, but there is a Shirish to the Mashiach Ben Yosef also in every generation. And the Yechidah of Adam Rishon crowns the Mashiach Ben Yosef, or rather this Shirish of Mashiach Ben Yosef also, making him the actual Mashiach Ben Yosef. Because the Yechidah, as I said long ago, of Adam Rishon is split into two equal halves. 
one becomes the crown for the Mashiach ben David, and one becomes the crown for the Mashiach ben Yosef. And when both Shrashim receive that Yechid of Adam Rishon, that is what makes them the Mashiachim, the Trey Mashiachim. Now, this Yisoyed of the Mashiach ben Yosef also has never descended to earth. Only when, again, the agreement between the Rabbanishim and the Ovas will become finalized, can it come down in a Shevet to begin the process of the Tikkun of the Kilko in creation, as a result, of course, of Adam Rishon's sin. Thus, Yitzchak, who was an Ov, was also a Shurish of the Mashiach ben Yosef. But he was not the Yisoyed, even though he was an Av, he was not, even though he was a foundation neshama for all Klai Yisrael. But he was not the foundation neshama of the Mashiach ben Yosef. Only through tremendous efforts of all three of us, Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov, in their avoid to the Rabban Islam, and the consequent finalization of the agreement between the Rabban Islam and Israel, Klai Yisrael, could the actual Yisoyed of the Mashiach ben Yosef come down. Just like we had said by the Mashiach ben David. Now, both Rachel and Leah knew that Yaakov would have 12 Shvatim. Shvatim. They knew this through prophecy because I had said they were both prophetesses, both Nevi'os. They also knew that the foundation and Shama of Mashiach ben David and Mashiach ben Yosef would enter into two Shvatim. They each tried to be the mother of these two sons. When Rachel saw she wasn't having children, she gave her ma- uh, children, and again when she saw that Leah gave birth to the Yisuid of the Mashiach ben David, at that point, that is when she became jealous. So we now have answered all three questions of why Leah says Yehuda called him Yehuda, why she praised the Rebbe at this point in time, because now the Yisuid of the Mashiach ben David came down. We also understand why she stopped giving birth because that was a major objective which she had reached. And we also understand why Rochel was so jealous of Leah. Because not only did they want Shvatim, both Rochel and Leah, but they both also wanted these two Yesuidas of the Mashiachim. And when she saw that Leah gave birth to the Yesuid of the Mashiach bin David, she also wanted the Mashiach, the Yesuid of the Mashiach bin Yosef because that's the only one that was left. That is why at this time, after the birth of Yehuda, did she really become jealous. Now, let us continue. When Rachel saw that she wasn't having children, any Shvatim, she then decided to adopt the method that Sarah did by Avram, and give, just like Avram gave, uh, rather Sarah gave her maidservant, Hogar to Avram, to have a child, and from that became Yishmael. So therefore also, Rachel decided to give her maidservant, who was Bilah to Yaakov as a wife, that he should bear, or that she should bear children, which would be accounted as the children of Rochel. And that is exactly what happened. She gave her maidservant Bilhah to Yaakov as a wife, and she bore him Don and Aftoli. When Leah saw that she was also not having any more sons, any more Shvatim, she also decided to adopt that method, and she gave her maidservant Zilpah to Yaakov as a wife, and she consequently, that is Zilpah, bore to Yaakov God Noshe. So the two maidservants, Bilah and Zilpah, bore each two Shvatim. Now, then Leah again had two more sons. What was the name of these two sons that Leah had above the four that she had previously? 
Yisocho and Zvulun. Now, after she gave birth to Yisocho and Zvulun, she gave birth also to a girl, Dina. Now, I will have a lot to speak about Dina later on, in terms of what happened between her and Shechem. Because Dina also has a connection to the entire Inyad of Ben Yosef, as we will see later on. And when you understand that, we will understand why whatever happened to Dina, and that she was abducted by Shechem, why this happened, which we'll understand later. But for the present time, after she, Leah, after Leah gave birth to Yisachar Zvulun, she gave birth to a girl, Dina. Now, Chazal say that this girl was really at first a boy in the fetal stage. In other words, Leah was about to have a seventh son. And that son would have been Yosef. Now, when Leah realized that if this child will be a boy, then Rochel at most could only have one more son. Why? Since there were only to be 12 sons, then if Leah had six already, Bilal had two, Zil- Zilpah had two, then all that remained to be born were only two sons. Because all only two sons left will fill the quarter of 12 Shvatim. If Leah now had a seventh son, who would have wound up to be Yosef, then Rochel would only have at most only one more son, which would make Rochel inferior to the two maidservants, Zilpah and Bilhah. Therefore, because each one, Bilhah and Zilpah, both had given birth to two sons, so it would come out that Rochel is actually inferior to, her, to the two maidservants. So therefore, Leah prayed to the Rabbanu to make sure that this would be a girl, not a boy. And the Rabbani Shalom listened to her and changed the sex of the boy from a boy, which what, it, which what it really was, to a girl. And the reason why she could do it, of course, is because in the first 40 days of the embryo, the sex is undetermined. At that point, it is possible for a person by prayer to change the sex. And that is exactly what Leah did. And she named this girl Dino because Chazal say that she was done din. She judged a judgment against herself. And she said, if I give birth to a son, then Rachel will only have one. Let Rachel also have two children. In other words, she decided to forego the chance of having more children. Now, Rachel, finally at this point, after Leah gave birth to Dino, finally gave birth to Yosef. Now, she called him Yosef because she said, and the Torah puts this down, Osaf Elokim Escher Posi. The Rabbani Shalom has removed my disgrace. Cher Posi means my disgrace. How? By giving me a son. Because to be barren is a great disgrace for a woman. And for Rachel to be barren, not to have any Shvatim, which is the whole purpose of really of what she's supposed to do is one among the greatest disgraces a woman can bear. Therefore she said, Osaf Elohim that the Rabbanisham has removed my disgrace by giving me a son. Therefore, thus the Rabbanisham Osaf Elohim Osaf really means to gather up. So it means that the Rabbanisham has gathered up and placed in an unseen place. This is what Rashi says. My disgrace by giving me a son. That's what the Pasuk means. 
Osaf Elokimis Khaposi, the Rabbanisham has gathered my disgrace up and he has put it away in an unseen place. And therefore, I no more have a disgrace because the Rabbanisham has given me a son. Now, besides, therefore, she named him Yosef from the word Osaf to gather up or to remove. But she also made another statement and she said, Yosef Hashem Li Benacher. May the Rebbein Shalom give me another son. And she, of course, was referring to Binyamin. Because since she had the 11th son, she knew there could be only one more son, because all there would be would be 12. Therefore, she, therefore she said, Yosef Hashem li Benacher, may the Rebbein Shalom add to me another son. So, Yosef also me means add to me another son. So, the word Yosef, or the name Yosef, which he named her child, refers therefore to two ideas. The first idea is that the Rebbein Osaf removed or gathered up her disgrace and by giving her a son. And the, also the word, the name Yosef also indicates that Yosef, the Rebbein should add another son, that's a prayer, another son to Rochel, that she should have a second shavit and therefore at least be equal to the uh, maidservants. Now, at this point, we may ask three questions. When it says that the Rabbanu has removed the disgrace that Rachel suffered, what is the inner meaning of this phrase? We know that Osaf Elohim Eschaposi refers to the personal event that happened in Rachel's life, that the Rabbanu removed the disgrace from Rachel by giving her a son. But what is the more inner meaning of what really the idea or what really Rochel was saying? What was the real disgrace that the Rebbe removed by giving her a son? That's the first question. The second question is, what is the relationship between the word Osaf, to gather up, and the child called by that name, other than the plain meaning of the person? In other words, does, does Rochel name her son Yosef because the Rebbe removed her disgrace? What does this have to do with Yosef? Does this name refer also to Yosef himself? Or does it merely refer to some event, some happy event, which happened to Rachel? What does the name Osaf have to do with Yosef? The second, uh, that's the second question. The third question is, why does Rachel name him Yosef? Because of the second statement, that the Rabbanu should add to her another son. Why does she state the statement at all? In other words, everybody else said one statement and they named their child based on that statement. Why does she have to utter a second statement? And again, what does this statement, Yosef, Li Hashem, that the Rosham should give me another son, does this name Yosef also refer to the personal happy event that, that Rachel would bear also Binyamin? Or does again refer to something particular about Yosef? These are three questions which I ask this time. Now, let us look into the fact, or that the fact that the Torah really has tremendous pneumias, tremendous profundities in it, and that there is more than just a plain meaning, that the very narrative from which we see the plain meaning also reveals an inner profound idea, which you must know, the theme or the inner plot in order to understand this profound idea. If you recall, the two foundation neshamas, or 
the two Yesodes of the Mashiach ben Yosef and the Mashiach ben David, they would only come down through the intense efforts of all three of us, Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov, in their serving the Rabboni Shlomo. Their descent, the descent of the Yesod of the Mashiach ben Yosef, and the descent of the Yesod of the Mashiach ben David, would signify the finalization of that agreement that the Rabboni Shlomo has between himself and Klai Israel. And what is that agreement? That Israel would be Masak in the Bria, and then they would receive Oilim Habo. These two foundation Shamas or Yesodis, would then actively initiate the Tikkun of creation with the other Shvatim. Yehuda was the foundation Neshama of the Yesod of Mashiach ben David. This we know. And of course Yehuda was born to Leah. The disgrace of Rachel was not only that she had no Shvatim, that she had no sons, that she was barren, that she was not at all fulfilling the entire purpose of what Yaakov was supposed to do, and that is to bring in a nation to serve the Rabbani Shalom and Ge'ilim Habor. That wasn't the only disgrace. The other disgrace was that not only did she not have a Shevet, a son, but that she did not bring down a foundation neshama of either of the two Meshichan, which are the essential Shvatim, the essential tribes for the Tikkunim. And that is why, of course, she was jealous before when Leah gave birth to Yehuda. When she gave birth to Yosef, who was the foundation neshama of the, or the Asoid of the Mashiach bin Yosef, her disgrace was totally removed in that she was vindicated that she was also extremely righteous and therefore she deserved such a son with such a great neshama. Therefore, her disgrace at one, the fact that she was barren, she had no children at all. Number two, her disgrace that she was not able to bring down a suid of a Mashiach. And number two, um, number three, of having her righteousness questioned and suspected because she was not giving birth to a Shevet, all of these disgraces was removed by the birth of Yosef. So therefore, what is meant by the statement that the Rabboni Shlom has removed her disgrace is not only the fact that she got a son, but also that she was able to bring down a foundation, a Shema, a Yesod, of the Mashiach ben Yosef. In other words, what is meant by the statement that the Rabbanishim removed her disgrace, she not only had a son, a Shevet, but also an essential Shevet, because she was the mother of the Yisoyed of the Mashiach ben Yosef, of course, who was Yosef Hatzadeh. Now, so therefore, that is what the inner meaning of Osaf Hashem, that the Rabbanishim uh, gathered away, Escher Posi, my shame. Because the Rabbi Hashem gathered away not only her disgrace or her shame and not having a Shevet, but the inner meaning is that he took away her disgrace from not being able to bring down a Neshama, a foundation Neshama of the, a Mashiach. So therefore, that's what she means by Osaf, that the Rabbi Hashem gathered away Escher Posi. That Osaf Elohim Escher Posi, that the Rabbi Hashem gathered away my disgrace, at not being able to bring down a foundation of Shema to the Bria. Now,
She then said, after Yosef's birth, that the Rabbanishlam should give me or add for me another son. And the question I had asked before was, why does she have to make another statement and call Yosef, the name Yosef, because of another statement? That Yosef Hashemli bin Acher, that the Rabbanishlam should add to me another son. And to answer that, we go to the Midrash Yilamdino, which the answer itself is very mystical in the sense that it doesn't seem to really fit in. But once we understand that these Inyonim are really the Inyonim of the Mashiach bin Yosef, then the Midrash Yilamdino makes very much sense. The Midrash Yilamdino says that she didn't mean another son, that the Rabbanishim should give her another son. She was not referring to another son. When she said Ben Acher, she was referring to something else. She was not referring to another son, but a son, a descendant from Yosef, her son, who had come after everything had been masukon, after everything had been accomplished or corrected, in other words, after the Tikkun HaKloli, who of course is the Mashiach Ben Yosef himself. Therefore she said, and this is the way it fits into the Pesach, Hashem... Yosef Hashem li bein acher, that the Rabbanu Hashem should add to me another son. What that really means is that the Rabbanu Hashem should add for me a son, a descendant, acher, who would come after all the events will have transpired that will bring a tikkun to creation. And who is that? The Mashiach ben Yosef. In other words, Yosef Hashem li bein acher. The Rabbanu Hashem should add to me a son, meaning a descendant from my son Yosef, Acher, who would come after everything had been concluded, and after the Bria, the universe, had reached its Tikkun, then he would come, let the Rabbanu Hashem give me such a son, and of course that son, of course, is the Mashiach ben Yosef. Thus, she prayed that Israel should surely be redeemed after history has ended. By the Messiah, Mashiach ben Yosef, a descendant of Yosef, her son, who is also, of course, the Yesuit of the Mashiach ben Yosef. Thus, the name that Yosef, given to Rochel's son by Rochel, alludes to the fact that he is the Yesuit of the Mashiach ben Yosef, because only a Yesuit can have a descendant who will come Acher after all is over. In other words, the Tikkunim have been done. And redeem Israel. And this son or descendant is none other than the Mashiach ben Yosef himself. Thus, the, pr- the phrase Yosef Hashem li ben is both a prayer about the future of Klai Yisrael, that the Mashiach ben Yosef should surely come, that Klai Yisrael should be redeemed, and also a giloy, a revelation, who Yosef really was. In other words, Yosef. Hashem li ben acher, the Rebbeinu should add another son, in other words, a descendant from my son, who is the Yisraeli of the Mashiach ben Yosef. The Rebbeinu should add another son, in other words, that Klai Yisrael should surely be redeemed, acher, after everything will have been done, then the Mashiach ben Yosef should surely come. This is what Yosef Hashem li ben acher really means. Now, in Pneumius, but if the second statement alludes to the Indian of Mashiach bin Yosef, what about the first statement that Osaf Elokim Posi, that the Rebbe has gathered up my disgrace, 
How does this allude to the union of Mashiach bin Yosef? In other words, we said that Osaf Hashem Li, or rather Osaf Hashem Eschaposi, that the Ronshma has removed my disgrace. The Poshit Pshat, the regular meaning, means that the Ronshma has removed my disgrace by giving me a son. The inner meaning is that the Ronshma has removed my disgrace by giving me a foundation in Shama. Okay? But the idea of Osaf, that it means Yosef, does it refer more to more than just the personal event that happened to Rochel? If you recall, it is the task of the Mashiach bin Yosef to gather up Klai Yisrael, to take them away from the Goyim, including not only does he have to gather up Klai Yisrael, but he also has to gather the ten lost tribes of Israel, the Aseris Ashvatim also. And he's got to take these ten lost tribes and Israel, the Jews who live among the Goyim, he's got to take them, gather them up, and bring them to Eretz Israel, where the Beis Hamikdash will be built. Thus, the first statement of Rachel not only refers to the whole personal event that her disgrace has been removed because she now has, has a son, and also she now has a brought down a foundation of Shema, okay, into the world, into Klai Yisrael. But the first statement of Rachel also refers to the Indian or the task of Mashiach bin Yosef. It refers to the ultimate task of the Mashiach bin Yosef. And it means this. Osaf Elohim Posi, Let the Rabbani Shalom gather up or remove my disgrace. What it really means is that let the Rabbani Shalom gather up or remove through the Mashiach bin Yosef the disgrace of the Jews amongst the Goyim by taking them away from the Goyim. And these Goyim have held them in continuous disgrace for so long. Thus, this statement that Osaf Elohim Posi refers to the essential task of Mashiach bin Yosef, which is to gather all Israel together and remove them from the Umar Sa'ilam, remove them from the Goyim, who have always held the Jews in contempt and disgrace. Thus, the disgrace of the Jews finally ends when the Mashiach bin Yosef takes them away from the Goyim and brings them to Eretz Israel. In other words, Osaf Elohim Posi not only refers to the personal happy event which happened to Rochel, but it also refers to the task of the Asuid of the Mashiach bin Yosef. It refers to the task of the Mashiach bin Yosef. That the Mashiach bin Yosef will gather up Klai Yisrael and therefore remove the disgrace that they have been suffering under the Goyim for so long. Osaf Elohim Posi, the Rabbi should gather the Jews Posi and remove my disgrace. And Rochel, in this sense, is the Shekhinah, or rather the disgrace of Klai Yisrael, and remove the disgrace that Klai Yisrael has had because they have been in amongst the Goyim. Therefore, we see that the word Osaf is directly related to Yosef in terms of his task and does not only refer to the personal event that Rochel went through, that her disgrace was also removed, but that Osaf refers to the task of the Mashiach bin Yosef, that the disgrace of Klai Yisrael will be removed, that disgrace that they have suffered amongst the Goyim for thousands of years will be removed 
By who? By the Mashiach ben Yosef, who was the descendant of Yosef, who was the Asid of the Mashiach ben Yosef. With this understanding of the inner meaning of this Pasuk, we can now see that the name Yehuda also refers to the essential task of the Mashiach ben David. The task of Mashiach ben David is to truly usher in the Moisa Mashiach, where all Israel as well, in the, as, well as the entire world <clears throat> will see the Yichud Shlitosoy of the Rabbani Shlom, and will all praise him in response to this. In other words, what is the task of the Mashiach ben David? To usher in the Moisa Mashiach, the Messianic time, where all Jews and the entire world will understand and comprehend that the Rabbi Hashem is the king, is the absolute master. And what will they do in response to this? They will continuously praise the Rabbi Hashem. Thus the Asoid of the Mashiach bin David, who is Yehuda, is named that name which indicates his true task. His name is Yehuda. Because he will be the one who will make it possible and bring into reality the event that everybody praises the Rabban Islam in Yemaisa Mashiach. Therefore we see in summation that each foundation of Shema is named according to their task, not only because of the personal event which happened to their mother. Yehuda is named Yehuda because that is his task to get everybody to praise the Rabban Islam. That's why he's named Yehuda. Hapam Oides Hashem. Now will it be possible for Klai Yisrael to praise God because the foundation of the Mashiach ben David is here who will usher in the Messianic time where all Jews in the entire world will praise the Rabbi Islam. That is why Yehuda is named Yehuda because that is the task of Mashiach ben David. He is also named Yehuda because of the simple meaning that she praised God, Leah praised God because of a personal event that she gave birth to the foundation of Shem of the Mashiach bin David. But the fundamental or profound idea of why Yehuda is named Yehuda is not only because of the thanks that Leah gave to Rabbi Shem, that she had a Shevet who was the foundation of Shem of Mashiach bin David, but because that is the task of the Mashiach bin David, Yehuda, to make sure that everybody praises the Rabbi Shem. Now, the same idea is true, of course, of Yosef. Yosef is named Yosef because that is his task, Osaf, to gather all Israel together, thereby removing the long-suffering position of disgrace among the Goyim. Osaf is Cherposi. So we see, therefore, that <clears throat> the, uh, Yosef is not only called Yosef because Rochel's disgrace has been removed because she had a son who was a foundation the Shema of the Mashiach ben Yosef but really is that the Osaf is the connection to Yosef in terms of the fact that this is Yosef's task that he gathers up Kleisel and removes the Kherpa the tremendous contempt and disgrace that Jews have been in for centuries among the Goyim so the name not only refers to the personal happy event that Rochel and Leah went through, but also the two tafkidim, the two tasks of the Mashiach bin David and the Mashiach bin Yosef. Thus the Pshat Niglo, the plain or simple meaning of the verse, 
refers to personal happy events of Rachel and Leah. But the true inner meaning of these psukim, the pshat nistor, refers to the task of these two nishamas, the task of these two individuals who had the foundation nishamas of both Mashiach bin Yosef and Mashiach bin David. And in other words, that the names refer to the concealed future of the Jews. To continue from the last year, uh, we were speaking about the posuk Osaf Elokim Posi. When Rochel gave birth to Yosef, she said the Rabboni Shalom has removed or gathered together and removed into a spot where nobody sees my cherpa, the disgrace which I had as a result of the fact that I had no children. And we saw that Osaf Elokim Posi, we saw from last week, <clears throat> that this Pasuk has in reality a simple meaning, an inner meaning, and a profound one. The simple or the plain meaning is that the Rabboni Shalom, by giving me a son, has removed my disgrace. He has taken away the fact that I have been barren of children, and that was a great disgrace to Rachel. That's the simple meaning. The inner meaning is that the Rabboni Shalom, <clears throat> by giving me the foundation neshama of the Mashiach bin Yosef, which we know Yosef was, in that way the Rabbi has removed my disgrace. Because now I am part of the Geula process. Now I am part of the process which will bring the Moshiach. Because I am now the mother of the Yesuid of the Mashiach ben Yosef. Therefore the process of Mashiachus will definitely begin. So therefore, the inner meaning is that she's saying that the Rabbi by giving me the Yesoid or the foundation, the Shama of the Mashiach bin Yosef, has removed my disgrace. This is the inner meaning. However, there is still another meaning, the profound meaning. And the profound meaning is that the Rabbi will gather through the Mashiach bin Yosef the Jews and remove the disgrace that they have been through for so many centuries. So, therefore, Osaf Elohim is Yosef comes from the word Osaf because that is exactly what his task is. Yosef, who is the Yisid of the Mashiach bin Yosef, will give rise to a descendant who will be the Mashiach bin Yosef. And that Mashiach bin Yosef will gather Israel, or Klai Israel, away from the Goyim, where they have been held in such contempt and disgrace for thousands of years. Therefore, Osaf Elohim Eschaposi refers in this profound way to the exact task of the Mashiach ben Yosef. <coughs> in the same way, the Posik Hapam Oides Hashem, that now, this time, I will praise or give thanks to the Rabbi Nishlam, which Leah utters when she gave birth to Yehuda, also has a simple meaning. It has an inner meaning and has a profound one. The simple or the plain meaning is that now will I give thanks to the Rabbi Shalom because he has graciously given me more than my share of Shvatim or sons. I am only supposed to have three sons or three Shvatim and now I have a fourth son, a fourth Shevet because if you recall there are twelve tribes destined to be born and there are four wives. Therefore each wife should, only, should have had only three sons or three Shvatim. When she had a fourth son a fourth shevet. Therefore, she said, "Hapam Hashem." Now I will praise the Rebbeinu for giving me more than my share. That is the simple or plain meaning. The inner meaning 
is that what she really said was that Hapam Oides Hashem, now I will praise God. Why? Because He has given me the foundation, the Shema, or the Esoid of the Mashiach bin David. And that is who Yehuda was. Yehuda was the Esoid or foundation, the Shema, of the Mashiach bin David. Therefore, she is giving thanks to Rabbi Islam because he is giving me a path again in the ultimate redemption, the ultimate Gu'ula of Israel. In other words, the profound meaning is that she, Olea, says, for her son, she is saying what her son will be saying. Who is her son? The Yisrael of the Mashiach ben David. And what will he say? What will he say when he accomplishes his task? He will say, now will I praise the Rabboni Shlom. Now I and all of Christ will, will praise the Rabboni Shlom. In other words, that the Mashiach ben David will cause everybody to praise the Rabboni Shlom. Because I will have ushered in the Amosa Mashiach, the Messianic time, will all comprehend that the Rabboni Shlom is king and absolute ruler over all. And therefore, in consequence to this, all praise the Rabbanu Shalom. And of course, this revelation that God, of course, is the absolute master over all creation, this is the essence of the Amosah Mashiach, of the Messianic days. Therefore, <clears throat> when it says Vatimer, and she said, when Leah said, Hapam Oedis Hashem, what she was really saying is Vatimer, and she said, that which her son will say, and that which his entire generation will say, Hapam, <clears throat> Now, this time, in the Moisa Mashiach, Oides Hashem, will I praise God, will we all praise the Shalom, because we are all masig, the Yichud, the oneness of the Shlita of the Rabbani Shalom. Therefore, we see that these Psukim reveal the true tasks of both the Mashiach ben Yosef and the Mashiach ben David. Therefore, both Psukim have three kinds of levels of meaning. And we see the profound meaning of both Psukim reveals the tasks of the Mashiach ben Yosef, the Mashiach ben David, and also, of course, the future events of Christ's role, and especially the idea that they will be redeemed by both the Mashiach ben Yosef and the Mashiach ben David. Now, to continue, it says right after that, it says that when Rochel gave birth to Yosef, Yaakov then said to Lovan, Shalcheni, send me away. And let me go to my place and to my land. This is what Yaakov says to Lovan right after Yosef was born. Because it says there, When Rochel gave birth to Yosef, Yaakov then said to Lovan, send me, rather send me away, and let me go to my place and my land. At this point, we may ask three questions. Why is it that right after the birth of Yosef, did Yaakov suddenly feel the urge to leave Lovan? To leave Lovan? For all the years, he didn't feel the urge. Fourteen years, he doesn't. And all of a sudden, now that Yosef is born, does Yaakov turn around to Lovan and say, now is the time to leave? What is the connection between the birth of Yosef and <coughs> the fact that Yaakov wants to leave Lovan? Also, the second kasha is that Rashi says that Yosef is called Sitnei Shel Esav, the adversary of Esav. That is what Yosef is called. The question, in other words, the adversary of Esav, that's who Yosef is. 
In other words, that he can successfully conquer and vanquish Esav. That's what the adversary of Esav means. That since Esav is a sitna shel Esav, he is the adversary of of Esav, he can conquer and he can subdue Esav. So the question is, why is Yosef called this? What is the interpretation of why Yosef is called Sitnashel Esav, the adversary of Esav? Why is that? That's the second question. And the third question I want to ask, why does Yaakov say to Lovon, let me go to my place, Mekoimi, and to my land, Uli Alsi? Is not his place the same as his land? Why the repetition? And it's interesting that we, in fact, we find the same expression by the Rabbani Shlom when he reveals himself to Yaakov later on by Lovan. When Yaakov perceives that Lovan has changed his attitude toward him. So the Rabbani Shlom appears to him and says to him, Return to the land of your fathers, Shuvel Eretz Avesecho and to your birthplace, So again, we find the same repetition. Is not his birthplace identical to the land of his fathers, because Yaakov was born in Eretz Rome? Why then does the Rabbani Shalom say both things to Yaakov? That he should return to the land of his fathers, and also to his birthplace. They are the very same things. What is the Rabbani Shalom and Yaakov referring to when they keep talking about their place, their land, their birthplace, and so on. Now, what is the answer to all these three questions? If you recall, Esav was the person originally designated to subdue Ra. He was the one who was charged with the mission of Kfias Hora, to subdue evil. How does one subdue evil? We know, by remaining a tzaddik, or observing the Tariag Mitzvah, even though you are under the onslaught of the Sitra Achra. Esav, however, failed at this, which we know, and not only did he fail, but he himself became the very agent of the Sotan, of the Sitra Achra. However, the task given to Esav remained completely unfulfilled, since he failed. Now, Israel, Klai Israel, who is the nation chosen by God to massacre creation, has to engage in this task, which is Kfiasura, also as part of the overall Tikkun of creation. Since Esav originally was a part of the nation Yisrael, because he was born, since of course he was born to Yitzchok and Rivka, since Esav failed, then Yaakov now had to assume Esav's role of being Kfiasura. He had to assume that role which was originally given to Esav. And therefore, he now had to subjugate or subdue evil. And we know that this is the essential task of the union of the Mashiach ben Yosef. Thus, Yaakov now had to abandon his former task of his Pashtus Kedusha to promote, to spread holiness and the belief and the word of God throughout, which is the essential task of the Mashiach ben David. And now, with the failure of Esau, he assumed Esav's role of Kfias Ra to subdue the evil, the Sitra Achra, which of course is essentially the task of Mashiach ben Yosef. Therefore, thereby, Yaakov, when he would assume this role, would remove a great deal of the Kilkul in creation. Now, to achieve this, Yaakov had to go to Lovon, the residence of evil, the Klipois, the 
dominion of the Sitra Akhra, and in that place remain a tzaddik, withstanding all the enticements that evil offered him, to withstand the pressures and the influence of Lovan. But the question is, how will Yaakov know while he is living with Lovan and engaging in the task of Fiyasara, engaging in the task of the Indian of Mashiach ben Yosef to massacre the Kilkun creation? How will he know when he successfully has done Esau's job and is therefore able to leave Lovan? How does he know this? What event would reveal to him this knowledge? When does he know to go home? And the answer to that, of course, is the birth of Yosef. The foundation neshama of Mashiach ben Yosef can only descend into a person after Yaakov will have subdued evil to such a great extent in his capacity as an of. When Yaakov will have done this job, then the aside of the Mashiach ben Yosef can come down into a person. Thus Yaakov's endeavor his endeavors in the task of Mashiach bin Yosef, if successful, must culminate in bringing down the Asuid of the Mashiach bin Yosef into a person. Thus, the birth of Yosef, who was the Asuid of the Mashiach bin Yosef, was the fruition of all of Yaakov's labors in the task of Mashiach bin Yosef and really was the major objective of Yaakov in all his years with Lovan. At the same time, the birth of Yosef or the Asuid of the Mashiach bin Yosef is the necessary indicator to Yaakov that he has succeeded where Yosef has failed and he could now leave the house of Lovan, the arena where he fought the Sitra Akhra to bring a great Tikkun to the Kilkul in creation. In other words, now that Yosef is born that is exactly what Yaakov worked for the whole time, to bring down the Asuid of the Mashiach ben Yosef. And that would indicate to him that he has successfully completed the mission of the Inyar of ben Yosef to be Kifara. He has successfully done basically what Asif should have done in the beginning. Therefore, we now understand why immediately after Yosef's birth, Yaakov wanted to leave Lovan. He had brought down the Asuid of the Mashiach ben Yosef into Kray Yisrael, into the nation of Israel, by his prodigious efforts. He had successfully achieved what Asif had utterly failed at. He had subdued the Sitra Acha in his own environment and brought a great Tikkun to the Kilkul in creation. And the proof of all of this was the birth of Yosef by Rachel. His mission therefore was over and he can now go home to his father in Eretz Yisrael. That is what Yaakov had to do. What he had to do was not only to be Ra, to subjugate evil, what Esav was supposed to have done originally. That's not what he was only supposed to do. But what he really was supposed to accomplish, his main objective was the culmination of that task, which is what Esav would have gotten had he also done that task, he would have gotten a descendant who would have been the Asuid of the Mashiach ben Yosef. And that is the entire idea, that Yaakov went to Lovan to fight the Sitra Achram, to do Esav's former task, in order to bring down the Asuid of the Mashiach ben Yosef. And now that Klai Yisrael has this Asuid down in the form of Yosef HaTzadik, they now come a second, the Kilkum creation, and eventually be redeemed by the Mashiach ben Yosef. Now, 
Therefore, Yaakov could now leave Lovan because he had concluded his mission with the birth of Yosef. Yosef was the evidence, the proof, that he had concluded his mission because the major objective of being Isaac in the Indian of Mashiach ben Yosef, as an of, is to bring down the Yisuid of the Mashiach ben Yosef. And that's exactly what he did. His necessity, therefore, of assuming the task of Mashiach ben Yosef was concluded. He could now return to his former original task of what? Of Mashiach ben David, which is his Pashtis Kedusha. In other words, not, when Yosef was born, not only could he now return to his land, because he doesn't have to be in the Klippos, in the dom- domination of the Sitra Achra, in the environment of the Sitra Achra, but he can also re- return to his former task also, which is his Pashtis Kedusha, the task of the Indian of Mashiach ben David. If that's the case, with this we understand, we now also comprehend why Yaakov said, let me go back to my place, Mekoimi, and to my land, Uli'altzi. What he said was this, let me go back to my former original place, to the Indian of Mashiach ben David, and to my land from whence I came, Mekoimi, thus Mekoimi refers to Yaakov's originally designated task, of his Pashtas Kedusha, or the union of Mishaykh ben David. And Arzi refers, of course, to Eretz Yisrael. They are not redundant. They, don't, they are not identical. Mekoimi refers to his designated task in spirituality, which is his Pashtas Kedusha, the union of Mishaykh ben David. And Arzi means to go back to his land, away from the Klippus, back into the land of Kedusha, which is Eretz Yisrael. That answers that question. Now, this phrase of Yaakov, therefore, of course, we see is neither repetitious or identical. Thus, when the Rabbani Shalom tells Yaakov, Shuv el Eretz return to the land of your fathers, and to the land of your birth, or rather, and to your birthplace, he means the same idea. Thus, the Rabbani Shalom says to Yaakov, return to the land of your fathers and to your birthplace. What does birthplace mean? The place where Yaakov was at at his birth, namely the union of the Mashiach ben David or the task of his Pashtas Kedusha. That's what the Rabbi Hashem tells him. Hashem says to Yaakov that he should return to Yisrael, Eretz Yisrael, and to his former task of Mashiach ben David. So the Rabbi Hashem says to Yaakov the exact same thing that Yaakov asked from Lovam. Let me go back to Eretz Yisrael because my job of subduing the Sitra Achra is now complete at this point. Therefore, I don't have to remain in the Klippus anymore. I can go back to Eretz Yisrael. And now that the task of Mashiach bin Yusuf has been completed up to a certain point, right now, I can now return to Mekwimi, to Moladeti, to the place where I was at birth, which is the task of his Pashtas Kedusha, which is the essential idea in the entire union of Mashiach ben David. Now, with this, we now also understand why Yosef is the Sitna Yishel Esav. Why is Yosef the adversary of Esav? Yosef, who is the Esav of the Mashiach ben Yosef, is living proof that Yaakov successfully completed Esav's task of Kfir Sarah of subduing evil. Because Yosef could never have been born had this not been the case. Thus Yosef is evidence 
contrary to any claim Esav may make against Yaakov, that Yaakov failed or does not deserve the brachos or the permanence of the Inyan of Mishik from Yosef. Therefore, thus Yosef is the adversary against Esav's claim that he, Esav, deserves the brachos and not Yaakov. Yosef is the convincing proof that only Yaakov deserves the brachos of Yitzchak, which is, we know, wealth, material abundance, and domination, and no one else. Since Yaakov and only Yaakov was successful in the task of Mashiach ben Yosef. Therefore, Yosef justifies Yaakov's position and is therefore an adversary to Esav or anyone else who would plead a contrary argument to, removes, to remove Yaakov's possession of the blessings of Yitzchak. That is what it means that Yosef is the signature Esav, that Yosef is the living proof the adversary to any complaint or argument that Esav can offer, he is the living proof that Yaakov <coughs> truly successfully completed the task of the Indian of Mashiach ben Yosef, and therefore he deserved the brachos, or the blessings of Yitzchak, which is the permanent delegation of the Indian of Mashiach ben Yosef. Therefore, Yosef is that kind of evidence which justifies Yaakov's possession of the union of Mashiach ben Yosef. Now, this is one interpretation of the fact that Yosef is Sidnishal Esav, that Yosef is the adversary of Esav. However, there is a more profound one which we will discuss later on, and not now. What it really means that, in addition to this meaning I give here, that Yosef himself is the adversary of Esav. Until now, we're saying that Yosef is an adversary to any arguments that Esav could present because he proves that Yaakov truly merited the union of Mashiach ben Yosef, which is the brochus of Yitzchak. But later on, we will see that not only does Yosef defend Yaakov's right to have the brochus, therefore Yaakov is also that adversary because he did the job which Esav didn't, but Yosef himself, in terms of his own, own avoidor, himself becomes the true adversary of Esav, which we will see later on. Let us continue. Yaakov then works an additional six years for Lovan to acquire for himself a great deal of wealth, and he succeeds at this. He then, after acquiring and amassing this great wealth, he leaves Lovan without informing Lovan why because he is afraid that Lovan, who is an incredible deceiver, would somehow prevent his departure. Why would Lovan want to prevent the departure of Yaakov? Because great prosperity came to Lovan, and not only to Lovan, but the entire neighborhood, because of Yaakov's righteousness. Because it says there that the well, which many times ran dry, overflowed for 20 years, and the well served the entire community. It overflowed for 20 years because of the righteousness of Yaakov. And not only that, Lovin became very wealthy because of Yaakov. And Lovin himself tells Yaakov, when Yaakov wants to leave, that I have seen that because of your righteousness, God has blessed me. And not only that, but Lovin himself never had any sons. Because it says that Rochel, the daughters, went to tend the flock. And if he had any sons, would he send out his daughters? But it was only after Yaakov came that he also had sons. So we can see already the benefit that Lovan 
accrued as well as the entire community by the fact that Yaakov remained in their midst. So Yaakov assumed correctly that they are going to try certainly to prevent his leaving. And he's afraid of the Ramos, of the deception and fraud that Lovin can practice. Therefore he leaves Lovin without informing him. Now Lovin hears about the flight of Yaakov and he pursues him with the, probably the intention of trying to get him to go back because here's my meal ticket. They conclude, however, with an agreement of peace between them. Lovin is not successful, of course, in getting Yaakov to come back and they conclude their relationship with a peaceful agreement and so ends the residing with Lovin. Lovin then returns to his home and Yaakov whereas Yaakov continues on his journey to the land of Israel. This is the narrative that continues. Now, then it says that Yaakov encounters angels of the Rabbani Shlom. He encounters angels of God. It says in the Torah, the Yaakov holach and Yaakov went on his way, and he encountered the angels of God. And he said, and Yaakov said, when he saw them, when he saw these angels of God, this is a camp of God. And he called the name of that place where he encountered these angels, which means two camps. This is what it says in the Chumash. Now, in other words, Yaakov encounters angels of the Rabbanishlam, and when he sees them, he says, This place is, the, this referring to the place, is the camp of Elohim, of the Rabbanishlam, Machne Elohim Zeh, and he then calls the place Machnoim. We may ask certain questions at this point. <clears throat> Who are these angels that he encounters? He encounters angels. Who are they? Where they come from? Another question, a second question. Why does Yaakov say that this place is the camp of God? That this camp, that this place is, is, is the, uh, is the uh, camp of the Rabbanu What does he mean? What does he allude to? Another question, a third question. Why does Yaakov call this place Machnoim, two camps? Now, he then sends these angels to Esav with the instructions to deliver the following message because it says in the Torah Vayishlach Yaakov Malochim Lefonov and Yaakov sends Malochim messengers before him El Esav to his brother Ochev El Esav Ochev to his brother Esav and Rashi says actually it's a Midrash Malochim Mamush he sent real angels real spiritual beings he sent these to Esav <coughs> now uh, in other words, he sent the angels which he met previously, he sent them to Esau. And it says he sent them out to Seir, to the land of Seir, Sidei, Edom, the field of Edom, which of course is Esau. Now, he tells them to deliver the following message. By Yitzav Esau, and he commanded them, Lemur, saying, Thus shall you say, to my master Esav. Thus says your servant Yaakov. I have lived with Lovan. I have resided with Lovan. And I have remained there. I have delayed there until now. 
And I now have Shaw, an ox, Vachamor, a donkey, Tzon, flock, Ve'eved, a servant, Ve'shivcho, and a maidservant. Ve'eshlecho, and I am sending to you, Lahagid, to, re- to uh, declare, La'adoni, to my master, Limsoy chen be'necho, in order to find graciousness in your eyes. And then it says that, Vayeshuva malochem, the malochem came back to Yaakov, Lemo saying, Bonu elochicho, Elesov, we came to your brother. We thought we would find your brother, but instead we found Esav, the one who hates you. Vagam hoilech likroscho, and he is coming to meet you, Vi'arba meos ish imoy. And there are 400 men with him. This is what it says in the Torah. Now, as I said, he tells these malochim, these angels, he sends these angels to Esav with the instructions to deliver the following message, as I have shown in the Chumash. Im Lovan Gati, I have lived with Lovan, for Icha Ad Oto, and I have resided with him until now. Vahili and I now have, I now possess an ox, a donkey, a flock, the Eved, a servant, Vishifcho, and a maidservant. They're all singular, by the way. Now, interestingly enough, Rashi says that Gati is the same letters as Taryag, which is 613. So, in effect, what Yaakov was really telling Esav was that I have resided with Lovan, who is a great Russia. And I have not learned from his evil ways, but instead I have observed all Taryag mitzvahs, all 613 commandments of the Rabbanishlam. This is what Yaakov, in effect, is telling Esav by saying, Im Lovan Gauti, I have lived with Lovan, but Gauti, and I observed the 613 commandments, I have not learned from his evil ways. This is what Rashi says. A fourth question which we may ask is, why should Esav care at all whether Yaakov is righteous and remains righteous, even living with Lovan? What does he care? What interest does this hold for Esav that Yaakov has to include it in his message to Esav? Why should this concern Esav at all? Also, another question is, what is meant by, I have an ox, I have a donkey, I have a flock of sheep, I have a servant, and I have a maidservant. What does this mean? What is Yaakov really saying to Esav? Now, it is important to note that the Midrash says on this Pesach that Yaakov is saying the following, Vahili Shor, I have, I have in my possession, Shor, the Mashiach ben Yosef, because Shor refers to the Mashiach ben Yosef, this is the Midrash. Because it says, Bechor Shere Hodeloi, the firstborn of his ox, ox is Yosef, the firstborn of his ox is the Mashiach ben Yosef, Hodeloi, beauty is his. So that Shore refers to the Mashiach ben Yosef. Vachamor refers to the Mashiach ben David, because it says, Oni Roichiv al a poor man, a lowly man riding on his donkey, that is the Mashiach ben David. Tsoin refers to the flock, which refers to Israel, Klai Israel. Those are the Shvatim, the sons which he has. And the Eved Veshivcho, and a servant and a maidservant, also refers to Klai Israel, because it says that we are as servants who look toward the Rabbanu Shalom, our master. This is what the Medrash says. So, the question is, 
what does Esav care if Yaakov has the Yisoyed of Mashiach ben Yosef, the Yisoyed of Mashiach ben David, if he's got Shvotim, if he's got Klai Yisrael, what does he care? Why should he be concerned? He's only interested in his Rishus. What is Yaakov telling him? What is he bragging? What's the whole point? What is Yaakov really saying to Esau? What's the real communique? This is the question that I'm asking. Also, it says in the Medrash, Rabbi Evu said that he took angels of both camps and sent them as messengers to Esau with his message. What is meant by angels of both camps? So we see that according to the Medrash, there were really two camps of angels. And he sent angels of both camps to Esau to deliver the message. So the question is, what is meant by angels of both camps? What does it mean that there were two kinds, two camps, two sets or groups of Malachim? And another question is, why is it necessary to send angels of both camps? Why not just send them of one camp? Why send angels of both camps to, a- to Esav as messengers? Let him send only angels of only one camp. Why from both? This, again, is another question. And I'm now going to ask the eighth question. I had asked seven previously, now the eighth question. Why does Yaakov send angels to Esav? Why didn't he send them men? If you want to do something, you send a man to another man. You don't send an angel to a man. Why is Yaakov sending Malachim? We know it's Malachim Mamash because that's what Rashi says. That's really what the Midrash says. But why is, why is Yaakov sending to Esav Malachim angels? What's going on here? Let him send men to deliver the message. I mean, you don't need an angel to deliver a message to Esav. Just send another man. That's the eighth question which I want to ask. Now, again, according to the internal plot or theme all these questions are again readily answered because that is the real theme. When Yaakov left Lovan, he had achieved great tikkunim of both the task of Mashiach ben Yosef and previous coming to Lovan, he had achieved great tikkunim in the task of Mashiach ben David. He had also given birth to the Shvatim, which would now carry on the Tikkunim as a total nation. When a man performs a mitzvah, you should know, Chazal say an angel is created from the mitzvah. And the kind of angel that is created, that angel reflects the exact performance of the mitzvah done by that man. And also, that angel, that Malach, provides testimony that a mitzvah was indeed executed by that man. Now, Yaakov, in response to his tremendous efforts in performing the rotten of the Rabbanishnam through the mitzvahs, created myriads upon myriads of Malachim, which both reflect the exact mitzvahs which Yaakov did, and also they testified to the permanence, or rather to the performance of the mitzvahs by Yaakov. It is these angels that he encountered coming back after Lovan. These angels are the very angels that he himself created after 83 years 
of serving the Rabbana Shalom. These are the very angels that he created in his tremendous prodigious efforts in terms of the Avodah. These are the angels which are the product of his labors, the product of his efforts. That is who these angels really were. But, since his task lay in two different areas, one in the Indian of Mashiach ben David, in terms of his Pashtas Kedusha, and this was originally before he went to Lovan, and the other in the Indian of Mashiach ben Yosef, in terms of Fiyasara, during Lovan, then his achievements in these two areas would logically yield two different sets or groups of angels. One group <coughs> would represent, represent his accomplishments in the Indian of Mashiach ben Yosef, and the other group would represent his accomplishments in the Indian of Mashiach ben David. This is what the Midrash means when it says that there were two camps of angels. That is why there were two groupings of angels. <clears throat> One referring or reflecting his accomplishment in the Inyonim of Mashiach ben David, and the other reflecting his accomplishment in the, in the, in the Inyonim of Mashiach ben Yosef. In other words, one camp of angels indicates his success with the Inyan of Ben Yosef, and the other camp of angels reflects his, his success with the Inyan of Ben David. Thus, both camps of created angels testify to the fact that Yaakov has indeed achieved, achieved both Inyanim of Ben Yosef and Ben David in his position as an Ob, a patriarch, and therefore of course, he was able to bring down the Esoid of the Mashiach ben David itself into Yehuda, and the Esoid of Mashiach ben Yosef itself into Yosef. Therefore, when he beheld these two camps of angels, testifying to his possession of all the necessary instruments to massacre the entire creation, which is the Esoid of Mashiach ben David and the Esoid of Mashiach ben Yosef, he realized that he and his family were now one complete, cohesive unit that would now be able to work completely for the Rabbanu and bring a tikkun to all of creation. Therefore, he calls himself and his family a camp of Elohim. Machni Elohim. A complete, integrated and cohesive instrument that has all the necessary requirements and prerequisites to serve the Rabbanishim completely and be massacring all of creation. Thus the statement, this is the camp of Hashem, does not refer to the place or even to the two groups of angels that he beheld, but to himself and to his entire family. Israel, Klai Yisrael, is the camp of God. Israel, Klai Yisrael, is the nation that serves Hashem by bringing a tikkun to all of creation. This is what Yaakov says when he sees the two camps of angels. Now, he then calls the place Machnoim, two camps, because in that place he saw the two camps of Malochim that he created through his Avodah, and which testified that he is now in possession of the Asidus of both Mashiachim and the tribes of Klai Yisrael, and that they now have all the necessary prerequisites to massacre all of the creation, fulfill the Rabbanishim's will, and merit Oilam Habo. He now calls this place Machnoim, referring to those two camps of Malochim or angels, which testify to those ideas. 
That is what it says in the Pesukim. And also with these previous explanations, we now also answer an apparent contradiction of why is it that Yaakov calls the place Machnoim, which indicates two camps, when he said in actuality previously, Machni Elokimze, this is the camp of God, a singular camp. That is a contradiction. But in this statement, this is the camp of Hashem, he refers to himself and his family members. However, in the name Machnoim, he refers to the two camps of angels that he beheld. In other words, if we look back at the Psukim, we now can read it very beautifully. What it says. It says, V'yakev holach ledarkoi, and Yaakov went on his way. He continued with his journey. V'yivku uboi malach elokim, and he encountered the angels of God, who were the angels that he himself created in response to his avuido for 83 years. Now, V'yumer Yaakov, and when Yaakov saw them, they were two camps, as the Midrash says. When he saw them, and they testified, these two camps of angels testified to the fact that he had, of course, the complete prerequisites, that his family was a complete unit to do the rotten of the Rebbeinish Lodem, and to massacre all of creation. He now says that, this referring to we, I and my family are now truly the camp of God. <coughs> we now can truly serve the Rabbani Islam by massacring all of creation and getting Ulim Habo because we now have all the prerequisites necessary. The Asayid of the Mashiach ben Yosef, the Asayid of the Mashiach ben David, and of course all the Shvotim of Klai Yisrael. Therefore, Vayikrashim Hamokim Ahu Machnoyim. Therefore, he calls the name of the place Machnoyim camps, referring to the two camps of angels which he beheld, which is the testimony to him, to Yaakov, that he and his family is now a camp of God, because they now have all the prerequisites necessary to massacre all of creation, to do the will of God, and earn Ulam Habo. This answers the questions which I, some of the questions which I had asked previously. Now, <clears throat> let us continue to answer the other questions. Yaakov is now concerned with mollifying and placating Esav, since he is going to meet him very shortly. When he left Esav, Esav was in a murderous rage, and Yaakov is now concerned with, of course, pacifying Esav, placating Esav, since he is very imminently going to meet uh, Esav. Yaakov therefore wishes to present an argument which will counter the main complaint the main kind of Esav against him. Now, what is the main complaint, the main kind that Esav has against him? That is, that the main complaint that Esav has lodged against Yaakov, and for which he, Esav, is so murderously angry, is that Yaakov deceitfully misappropriated the blessings of Yitzchak. He stole them from Yitzchak. He took what was rightfully Esav. <clears throat> that is the complaint that Esav has against Yaakov. Therefore, Yaakov tells the messengers, the malochim, the angels, to present to Esav an argument which will utterly vindicate Yaakov in his taking the brochus of Yitzchok. This is what Yaakov is now concerned with. <clears throat> and this is what he now wants to do. He wants to present to Esav 
through the Malochum, an argument, a counterclaim that will completely vindicate his stance, his position, and will justify his taking the brochus of Yitzchak. And we will continue uh, in order to understand what the argument that he wants to present to Esav, which will really justify his position, we will continue next week.